Okay, when Josh told me this week he couldn't be here this morning, I didn't know he had the pool to get Stevie Wonder to come and take his place. Okay? Great job. Thanks. Go ahead. Let's pray. Where else could we be, Lord? Except here, right now, in your presence with each other, waiting on you to speak to us in song, to speak to us from your scriptures, to speak to you to us from fellowship with one another. We are the body of Christ gathered. When we depart, we will be the body of God Christ scattered. Help us to remember, Lord, we need both. We need to be gathered so that we may be recharged by all of these things in order that we can scatter to do your will in so many places before we come together once again. So this morning, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds to what you will have us experience. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, I pray. Amen. Well, if you're here and you've received a um, family life card, please place it in the offering uh, plate at the end of, of the service. And if you're joining us remotely, we would ask you to, do, to, to find our uh, family life cards online and fill those out so we'll have some record of your attendance. And if you are joining us remotely, say hi to us. Uh, if you have some other type of prayer request or other things, let us know about it. We'll be happy uh, to try to serve you in any way that we can. Tuesday night we will continue with a combined prayer and Bible study, uh, both from the sanctuary and remotely through Zoom. So watch for uh, watch for that. We'll start that at 6.30. Uh, Restore Network needs diapers and wipes and pampers. Uh, you can leave them down here and we'll get them upstairs or you can drop them off in the foyer on top if you've got them in your, <coughs> got them in your car. <clears throat> we will continue to meet outside as long as the weather cooperates. Okay? So the little bit of surprise some of us have got, you all brought your jackets. Keep it up. And finally, we will continue um, collecting the, the alabaster offering for um, property and buildings around the world. This money makes a difference in many ways beyond just the creation of places to worship. I got a Skype call from Joshua Mujira, um, pastor in Rwanda yesterday. He used to be my bookkeeper. He was asking me to ask you and others to pray for him and pray for his church. They have not been able to gather for worship for more than six months. This is not only true of his church, but all churches across Rwanda, and I'm sure in many places. And if you think the economy is hard for us, Imagine that you live 
from day to day on daily wages, which is about what 60% of the Rwandans do. Um, many people have it worse than we do and need to be lifted up. So keep them in mind, would you please? Let's continue to worship in song. Oh, no, no, we're not. I'm sorry. The old guy has struck again. I have instructions. It's written down here to read Psalm 35. So would you open your Bibles to Psalm 35? We're going to read verses 19 to 26. Do not let my treacherous enemies rejoice over me. Are those who hate me without cause wink the eye? For they do not speak peace, but they conceive deceitful words against those who are quiet in the land. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. You have seen, O Lord, do not be silent. O Lord, do not be far from me. Wake up, bestir yourself for my defense, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and do not let them rejoice over me. Do not let them say to themselves, Aha, we have our heart's desire. Do not let them say, We have swallowed you up. Let all those who rejoice at my calamity be put to shame and confusion. Let those who exalt themselves against me be clothed with shame and dishonor. I don't know what each of your prayer requests are, but I would invite you to voice them this time to our Lord and Savior, to the one who intercedes on our behalf. Let us, let us gather in prayer. Father, I know others have said this before, but we are living in desperate times. We are living in times in which our ability to trust one another, our ability to trust the things that we have taken for granted have been eroded by viruses and by um, just hateful people, by actions that leave us questioning But one thing we know, those of us in this place, is that our trust in you is well-founded. That you are with us, regardless of the betrayal of others, regardless of the deceit of others, regardless of the lack of wisdom or the lack of foresight, or regardless, Lord, of just the indifference that causes our lives and the lives of others to be hurt. 
around our world. People are crying out to you as the psalmist cried out. As we cry out. And we pray, Lord, that we will be an example of people who know that you are trustworthy. May our lives and our words reflect that trust. And we thank you that you are worthy of that trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, as we started doing um, last week, we're going to have several weeks in which our board members are going to um, uh, be giving a testimony to us. And so Adam Franklin is doing that this morning. But as he is coming, you're spread out. So wave at each other and wave at those online so they know that you're glad they're with us. Come on. No, don't be bashful, Brian. Oh, I, I know your age. You're not that old. Okay, Adam. Good morning. All right. Um, it's a beautiful day today. Nice seeing everybody. Uh, like Dwight said, we've all been recruited to come talk. Last week was Rick's turn. I think this week is my turn, um, so I'll try to follow him. Um, my name is Adam Franklin. For those that don't know me, I've been coming to this church for about three years. I've been on the board for about one year. Can everybody hear me? Is this? Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so, uh, first of all, I just wanted to say, you know, I grew up in a, in a Lutheran home, in a, in a Christian home. Um, and I met my wife, Dawn, and she went to a Nazarene church in Dupo. Uh, so that's how I kind of got into the, to the Nazarene church. But before coming to this church, um, I, well, first of all, let me just say that in the 13 years that I was married to Dawn, or knew Dawn, before we started coming here, I think she would probably be the first to say, and I don't want to put her on the hot seat, but she'd be the first to say that I would not have been a likely person to be up here talking like this. Um, I think in the, the 10 years that I went to that church, um, they would do testimonies every Sunday, and I don't think I ever testified once. Did I, Don? Um, I would not have been someone who would have been asked to come and be up here talking. I would not have been someone who would have been asked to lead Sunday school and things of that nature. Not hopefully because of my character, which I guess I'll leave that for other people to decide, but just more my sense of personality. I was a little bit more, I don't, I don't know if I use the word shy, but I was kind of something of a solitary uh, Christian disciple, if that makes sense. I thought that, you know, I, I had, had a brief time in my teenage years thinking maybe I'd do something somewhat ministry related that was very brief, and then I moved out of that. Um, there were some bad experiences and just kind of things of that nature. So I was always of the opinion that as long as I stayed home, read the Bible, I did lots of reading, of course I come to church every Sunday, things of that nature, that that was good enough. And that was really all I was kind of looking for. And even when we started coming to this church, we dropped our kids off at VBS in 2017. And I, Donna and I had been looking for some churches closer to our area, but we were not planning on coming here. Um, 
but I have to say that, you know, in the three years I've been here, I've been very grateful and fortunate um, to have been given the opportunity to serve, um, at times to lead. Uh, a couple of years ago when Pastor Aaron asked me if I'd be interested in doing more of a teaching discipleship role, I was like, really? Me? You know, um, I kind of didn't know if that meant more on more reflection on him or on me that he was even asking me that. But I was like, well, I'll think about it. I said yes. In the last two years, I've been leading Sunday school. In the last six months, for those of you that have been great uh, um, following along in our Zoom Sunday schools, I've been trying to do that along with Brian and Dwight. Um, and I just want to say thank you to you. Thank you to BFCN. Thank you to those that have... Uh, given that uh, support to me. Um, it has been a time the last few years that I have grown, that I have learned more about how to disciple myself and disciple other people by sharing, by talking. Sometimes you come to a smaller church and you, you wear different hats and you get asked to do certain things and you're a little eh about it. And then you do it and you, and you get lots of benefits from it. Um, you get lots of rewards from it. And the last three years has been growth for me. And I want to thank all of you. I want to thank the church. Um, in the last six months, of course, we've all gone through, you know, COVID and now a pastor change, but I'm very grateful for BFCN and I'm very optimistic about our future and about our role here in the community. And from the bottom of my heart, Don and I and the girls want to thank you and show our appreciation the BFCN community. Thank you. Thank you. We are a body. That means we are connected. Sometimes, as Adam just said, we kind of do things that stretch us a little bit more than we wanted to be stretched. Like, you remember that walk you took that you didn't really want to take, but somebody you cared for asked you to go and you were a little bit sore afterwards? We are a body. Well, this morning, we are going to read from Genesis chapter 50. Now, the story starts much earlier than that. Um, and I'll be making references all the way back to... Um, Oh gosh, maybe even chapter 28. But Genesis 50, 15 to 21. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brother said, What if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him? So they approached Joseph saying, Your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now, therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him and said, we... We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. I am, in the, am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, 
God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. Wow. I don't know how to respond to this passage with anything other than wow. Ten years or more have passed since Joseph reconciled with his brothers. You remember the story. Joseph was this smart aleck young whippersnapper who was his father's favorite and he rubbed it in his brothers. Ten older brothers. Not one older brother. Ten older brothers had to suffer through this. And finally, they thought they had had enough. And it, Jacob sent him one day to check on his brothers and, uh, as they were out grazing the sheep. And they took jo uh, Joseph and threw him in a pit. The place was called Dothan. Some of them wanted to kill him. They finally ended up selling him to a trading caravan and he got, traveled, got carried to Egypt. But here we are. More than a decade has passed. Not since that, but since the famine had struck and they had come to Egypt and Joseph had revealed himself to them. And more than a decade has passed in which they have lived together in Egypt. And as soon as Jacob dies, the real impact of betrayal takes place. They have lost faith. They have no confidence. <clears throat> Their guilt has remained intact. And they're afraid now that, Joseph's, uh, that Jacob's gone. Joseph is going to let it all break over them and finally get his revenge. Like an alligator lying in the weeds, not seen. That's their sense of guilt. Betrayal has marked these people. But why shouldn't they be people of betrayal? Well, who was their father? Jacob. What was Jacob's nickname? Yes, deceiver. Jacob the deceiver. Jacob put on, I think it was goat skins, and fixed a favorite stew for his father when he was blind. And, and as the younger son went in and deceived him and stole his older brother's birthright. The wider family of Joseph and his brothers has been deceitful and, de and betraying one another for years. That kind of life comes at a high cost. Jacob runs away from home. He goes to the house of Laban, where he meets beautiful Rachel. Convinces her father that he should marry her. And what happens to him on his wedding night? Deceit, betrayal. Laban substitutes his older daughter, Leah. And Jacob wakes up the next morning 
and finds out that he's married to the wrong woman. They have children. Oh, eventually marries Rachel, you know that. Um, and each of his wives um, are in this competition. I mean, sisters, as also sisters-in-laws, it must have been a competitive place. It must have been a very destructive competitive place because they not, weren't satisfied with the children they could give Jacob. They each offered to him one of their maidens, one of their maids, and, and he began having, that's how he had all these children. The competition dripped. Now, by this time, you've begun to think about who's betrayed you, have you not? I have, and I'm in the midst of talking to you, and I still can, there's still a list running through my mind of people who have betrayed me, of the degree of hurt that they've caused us, and how we have paid a price if that has caused us to linger in the past rather than moving on to the future. My guess is that you've even got some just Jim Dandy family stories of betrayal. My family's from the Ozarks. You know I got to have some. In 1929, I'm not going to disappoint. In 1929, um, my mother's father suffered an industrial accident. He uh, was working in a sawmill, and a, they were actually, yeah, they were sawing up timber. Um, his, his father um, was cutting the white, pine, uh, white uh, oak forest of southern uh, Stone County and northern Clinton County, and Grandpa was in his mid to late 30s, and the sawtooth broke off and went in his left eye. He was blind for the rest of his life. In that eye. While he was laid up and waiting for uh, insurance, he and Grandma got to talking, and they decided that they would buy a farm. And the story is, my Grandma saw this as her opportunity, because Grandpa was the oldest uh, son, oldest child in his family, and had been used poorly by his parents. And when they married, Grandma moved into the you know, the circle of houses that were going, they were the, those were the first at the foot of the hill from where Black John and Nellie Morrison lived on top. You see, my great-grandfather was known as Black John the Sawmill Man. And Grandma wanted to get beyond his influence. So she had cooked it up to buy this farm. And, and, and Grandpa went along. Well, when the check came, Grandpa was still in bed. So John offered to, to carry the check along because uh, the deal was about to, to um, get lost. And so John said he would go buy the farm. And he did. He was true to his word. He took the check in, he bought the farm, and he came back. The only problem was L.M. Marson was not on the title. It was John C. Marson whose name was on the title of that farm. This betrayal occurred the year before my mother's birth. 
it was an active and open wound in her life until her death. You see, betrayal has that capacity. It has that ability. And the tragedy of betrayal usually isn't the act itself. It's usually the aftermath. Jacob's story is a clear example. But Joseph was not Jacob. He made his storyline very different. Now, it's true Joseph began as an arrogant teen. It's true that he, in his dreams, and he, he, he flaunted this in his brother's face, that like sheaves of wheat, they would bow down before him. Even their father would do that. And that was more than they could bear. So being sold into this traveling caravan of tra traders was inevitable, or something like it. In Egypt, he became the slave of Potiphar, the captain of the Pharaoh's guard. Now, Potiphar sees qualities in Joseph that others have not seen up to this point. And Potiphar correctly sees that these are characteristics that, of God's blessing in Joseph's life. So he gives Joseph a little responsibility, and Joseph... Um, Fulfills that, and, and the responsibilities grow until he's finally head of his household. Now, that's not head butler. That, he is head of the family business. A household in those days was a business. And so he was CEO of the, of the family business. That's where Joseph worked up to. Now, Joseph had another problem, though. He was good looking. And Potiphar's wife cast a lustful look his direction and made a move on him. But now this was not the impetuous, self-centered youth of Cana. Joseph, being a more responsible young man, rebuffed his master's wife's intentions. And it landed him in prison. Because she lied about him. She convinced Potiphar that he had been the one who had made the move. Now, I, I, I need to be honest with you. There are some, claim, some complaints about the story of Joseph. People say it's too stylized, that it's just way too perfect a story. Um, but that's, it is stylized. It, if, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, the hero's journey. The hero's journey has been in literature for forever. The Iliad. Um, and the Odyssey are examples of this. Pilgrim's Progress from John Bunyan is a, an example of this. It's where there is a main character who either leaves or is driven out, who endures crises, and who emerges from that with a reformed and developed character and is able to return redeemed with victory. The Hobbit's that way. Star Wars. One of my favorites, The Searchers, even The Hunger Games, which I'm assured of by my son since I haven't seen it. Or them, I'm sorry. But lest I leave out the most infamous of all that combines both betrayal and the hero's journey, Game of Thrones. 
You see, the stylized story over the centuries has been used by Jewish instructors to help young men recognize and grow into the character of the kind of people that they felt God wanted them to be. But the charge that it's stylized isn't, while it's true, doesn't mean that the story isn't based in a historical situation. There are too many Greek terms, I'm sorry, Egyptian terms in the story in Genesis. Uh, too many of them related, too many names that come from the time period we're, t- we're talking about. And in fact, there are external sources that support basic events in the story, particularly when Joseph, during the famine, ends up buying all of the land of Egypt. And it becomes the land of Pharaoh. It's his land that is supported in outside documents. In the famine, Joseph's brothers come from Cana. Joseph doesn't just save Egypt. He saves those who are around. And he makes a choice. Now, what have your choices been when you've been betrayed? Joseph could have curled up into a ball in that, in that pit in Dothan and just died. Maybe not physically, but emotionally, mentally. He didn't. He made choices. Well, when Black John came back with that deed with his name on it, 1929, my grandmother began making new plans. Between the time grandma was able to pull her plans off, however, and the betrayal, the crash of 29 hit. My great-grandfather had been a very wealthy man, but he had clearly earned the name Black John the Sawmill Man because of his reputation as a hard man, a man who was able to accomplish what he wanted. He took my grandfather out of third grade because he needed an apprentice in a a blacksmith shop in one of his at one of his sawmills and grandpa never got to go back to school nothing stood in john's way except for zeta zeta was bound and determined she was going to break the hold he had on her uh, her household she and grandpa um, had three boys when the stock market came and black john went busted. He lost everything he had. Grandma had enough to buy another farm. One day, Grandpa was walking down a lane back to their place at the bottom of the hill, and he saw a wagon approaching. And there sat Grandma with my mom in her arms as a newborn baby, and uh, one of the teenage boys and the other two boys were walking along behind. And Monroe said to her, what are you doing? 
and she said, I'm leaving. I have bought such and such a farm up on Flag Hill, and I'm moving up there right now. And the wagon was full of their stuff. And she looked at him, and she said, Monroe, you either stay here or you come with us. And the story is the team started up. She started up the team walking down the road, and Monroe got in line with his two sons, and they went up the hill into their new farm. Grandma was not paralyzed by betrayal. Are you? Have you been? Have you been stuck because somebody betrayed you? Have you been unable to deal with the fact that life continues to pass you by? Did you pick up this storyline of Joseph? God blessed others through him because he was willing to overcome betrayal. How did he overcome that betrayal? Well, not by falling into sin. He did not fall into the sin of thinking that he was the main character in this story. You and I, when we act and believe that the goal of God is to bless us, fall into sin because God's goal is to bless others through us. When we, we can even join Adam and Eve in betraying God. When we believe that we become the authors of our own story, independent of what God is doing. We are not. At best, we're co-authors. At best, we take action within a, a storyline that God develops for us. All right, I want you to imagine with me that God doesn't know the difference between Belleville and if you're joining us remotely, your town, and Egypt. Joseph was able to see God's purpose in Egypt. Joseph was able to see that by forgiving his brothers, by acting on positive ways for the people that he came in contact with despite the last betrayal that he had experienced he was able to live a life characterized by God's blessings do you see God's purpose here can you can you see God's purpose if you can't I submit to you that there is only one problem. Yourself. So let me deliver to you God's word for you this day. Get over yourself. Somewhere between the pits of Dothan and Potiphar's house, a, a brash arrogant I, I'm, I, we've all had teenagers like this either they've been ours or somebody else's you know what I'm talking about that boy became a man on that trip he got over himself after Black John stole my grandparents farm after the stock market fell for the, it was 1929. He was 60 years old. 
And from that time until his death, in 1955, he was supported by one or more of his children the entire time. In fact, when he died in 1959, he and my great-grandmother Nellie were living in a house owned by whom? You got it. Monroe and Zeta. They got over it. They got over the betrayal, and even though John and Nellie had stole a farm from them, they died in Grandpa and Grandma's house. Not, not a different, they had another farm, they had two farms. They died in their house. Joseph was an able administrator. He was a reliable interpreter. He turned out to be a devoted son and brother. Not only did he save the lives of his family, but he saved the lives of tens of thousands in Egypt and the surrounding community. My great-grandfather, Black John, never even came close to being a man in Joseph's sense. Who are you? What kind of man or woman are you? Are you beat down and defeated by betrayal, by deception? You know, I wish all my ancestors had been upstanding <laughs> examples of what life should be like. They were not. Neither were Joseph's. I hope, like Joseph, I can change my storyline, my family storyline. I hope I have changed it for my children and grandchildren, and soon to be my second grandson, great-grandson, in about six weeks. It is not too late to get over ourselves. So my altar call to you, without an altar, my altar call to you in the altar of your heart is to examine yourself. Is there anything you need to get over? Because as we pray and sing and leave this place, it's time for you to get over it. It's time for you to get over it. What would God have you changed today? Let's pray. Dear Lord, in just a minute, we're going to sing, and in, in the middle of this song, we're going to get up and leave. We're going to linger and talk to each other. But before all of that, please, please may your spirit whisper in our ear. Encouraging us to look deeply. Because this community needs the life of Joseph. This community needs you living through people that bless others. This community, like all the others, are afraid, are, are beaten down by deceit and beaten down by betrayal. Help us, Lord. Move us. Give us eyes to see 
again, the willingness to act. Not only for those who have been betrayed, but as Joseph did, to redeem the betrayers. And when that is done, people will say, yes, Belleville First Church of the Nazarene, that's a real body of Christ. May that be our epitaph. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, whom we seek to serve. Amen.